We're taking a live from Vader's Castle uh, on the road now. Another brand new episode of the Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 2, The Tribes of Tatooine. This is a really, really top tier episode of Star Wars. His facial expressions when he's fighting are some of the <laughs> best things in the oh, episode. So good. Yeah. The, the actual like, savagery on his face, like a benthar. He's <laughs> like bobbing up and down. Welcome to episode 40 of Live from Vader's Castle. As always, you're joined by your two hosts, myself and John Lee, and as always, Dan McQuarrie. How are you, Dan? Hello there. I'm good. This is um, this is an interesting episode. This is my first on-the-road recording. So we're taking uh, Live from Vader's Castle uh, on the road now. Yeah, exactly. I'm not recording from the, the comfort of my bedroom where I've recorded the other 39 episodes today. I'm in a, I'm in a premiere in... in a, in Livingston, for anyone who knows where that is, in, in sort of the middle of Scotland near Edinburgh, I'm a, I'm away for a, for a, a week of working um, with a TV company. So they've put me up in a hotel, and I have my Saturday off to do the podcast. So it's a, this is an adventurous recording. This one, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Dan is is just is just away on work. Very exciting though. Yeah, exactly. And I think um, if you know, we would prefer to be getting these episodes out you know, closer to when Boba Fett's releasing, but both myself and John are quite busy with work at the moment. So we're uh, we're getting them out when we can, but it can be a tight squeeze sometimes in the in the world of work. Indeed. I want to make a quick point. As uh, the fans may hear in this episode, we have a, a, another joiner on our podcast, which is my dog, who's very needy. Um, so as my parents are away, he's come to join me. So he might make some noise in the background, which I apologize for, but he's uh, just showing his excitement for Book of Boba Fett as me and Dan will be in this episode. Yeah. And also, I don't know if the sound is going to sound any better or worse, uh, probably worse um, because of being in a different location. I'm still using the same microphone, but I'm on a, a different Wi-Fi and a, I'm not, not using like the same setup on my microphone. So We'll see how this ends up sounding. But if you are listening to it and thinking, where's this fine quality live from Vader's Castle audio I'm used to, there's your reasoning. Um, we've got a dog and we've got me in a hotel. So between that, between that, we'll see how this goes. <laughs> <laughs> so we may have some mishaps on the podcast, but thankfully, <laughs> thankfully the uh, the main topic of conversation, Book of Boba Fett, was, uh, has been watched repeatedly by us too. And, and as always, we are here to discuss it. So the, the main content will still be here. There'll be no doubt about that. Of course, of course. Should we, uh, should we talk about Book of Boba Fett? Oh, yes, please. So uh, this this past week, we've been gifted with another brand new episode of the Book of Boba Fett. It was a uh, chapter two, The Tribes of Tatooine. There's a nice bit of alliteration in the title. Um, as always, written by the man, John Favreau. And uh, directed by Steph Green, who is a new Star Wars director. Um, I didn't actually recognise her name um, until I did a little bit of googling, um, and she's done all sorts of like amazing stuff in TV, from uh, Luke Cage to uh, the Americans to the Watchmen TV series. So she's been all over the place. She's done a lot of really good TV, and I think she's going to become an even bigger name after this. Because damn, did she direct the hell out of this episode? Yeah, I mean, I didn't recognise her name uh, either, and that is uh, that's a good a good few uh, TV shows I have on your resume. There, I mean, some very good shows like Watchmen is uh, is obviously very good if you haven't seen it. Um, so yeah, very excited to have have her aboard the Star Wars directors train. Um, yeah, I like um, yeah, a new I mean, director, new flavour. Yeah, I mean, me too. I mean, I, I remember yeah, when we were spoken about Mandalorian before and stuff. Um, every time we get a new director, it's always like a fresh perspective on on Star Wars and the characters that we're used to. So. I think she's, um, she's done a very good job on this Book of Boba Fett um, episode. So, yeah, welcome to the, uh, welcome to the Star Wars universe, uh, Steph. Yeah, definitely. And um, I think, as far as I'm aware, I think it's her only episode this season, but I'm sure maybe she'll be brought back to do another episode on Mando Season 3 or another show. So hopefully one to, one to stay around because this, this was a brilliant episode. Um, I think... My opinion, I think I prefer it to the first one, and I, I did really enjoy the first one. Um, but I must admit, the first time I watched it, I was quite, I was quite distracted, um, not by anything externally, but just the the first 
like 15 minutes in the present day of this episode, like grabbed my attention so much and like seeing the huts and seeing the scary Wookiee that I will go into a lot of detail about later on and just all the implications for the storyline and what's going on in that modern day just got me like so hooked that we went into the flashback and I didn't quite like engage with the flashback the way that I should have because I think I was just sort of not like wanting it to be over but like being like oh what is going on in the present day like I just kept on thinking about it and then we didn't go back to it um so I've watched it two more times since and those two times since I've really been able to appreciate like what the flashback did in this episode and now like looking back on it like I think the flashback chunk of this episode is the strongest in terms of like storytelling and character and that sort of thing um definitely looking forward to getting some episodes with some more present day stuff happening but i think the the flashbacks have done a lot the heavy lifting now um but yeah i think this is a really really top tier episode of star wars some some like beautiful beautiful storytelling and character development and world building and lore and lots of stuff that really ties into the real world as well um so yeah i i thought this was a very very strong episode of television yeah i completely agree i mean obviously um uh, uh the a key benefit of this episode is it's uh i think a, a 20 minutes longer 15 20 minutes longer than the first episode um which obviously gives gives the director a lot more time and obviously john favreau a lot more time to fill stuff in in this episode because the um as you say the like uh flashbacks <laughs> made up uh, the majority of this episode and i think did a lot of the uh uh I would that heavy lift in this episode, but I mean carried carried most of the story. Um I think yeah, as you say, it was like the first fifteen minutes was like present day stuff, which completely agree with you was was very captivating and um I'm as you as you said, very excited to see where that goes next week. But I think yeah, the um the flashbacks I think were very strong in this episode. I mean they filled in <clears throat> a lot of like we were speaking about it after obviously watching the episode. Um like if there was like minimal flashbacks from now on, I still feel like they've told the story they needed to. So I think this episode did a lot of um did a lot of storytelling in, in such a short amount of time for the time for for the time span between obviously Bob escaping the Sarlacc pit and then we seeing him in the Mandalorian. Like if they only had like one or two more flashbacks throughout the series now, I feel like they've they've told that story um very well in this episode. So I think I think I'm kind of hoping as same as you that we get a few more present day scenes, especially after the um the reveals in this this episode with the present day stuff. I mean, obviously you've got the, the huts and the scary wookie you mentioned, as we will get into later. So I'm very excited to see where that goes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think, uh, as per usual with Star Wars, there's always, you know, discourse with certain people within the fandom who decide that they just hate anything that, that Disney puts out. But I almost like got to a point where I was like reading some people on Twitter and I was like, sometimes... I just feel like the quality of stuff that we get with Star Wars is like too good for the, too good for the actual fans. Because I was like, I was rewatching the episode just this morning, and I was like watching the scene when Boba was like crafting his gaffy stick, and like the music and the way it was shot, and like everything that scene represented. And I was like, this is absolutely like beautiful, intelligent, like the sort of storytelling that if it didn't have the name Star Wars on it, would be nominated for Oscars and Emmys and that sort of thing. And thinking like, <laughs> there's so many people who just think oh there's no explosions therefore it's rubbish and i'm like come on can you not see like how like stunning this like just story of like a man completely changing who he is because he's learning from these people who have previously been treated as savages and they're actually just people as well and oh i could go on and on about sort of the annoying discourse around book of at the moment um but i just think they're doing such a good job with the show and they're doing something completely different with the show than i thought they were going to do with it and it's taken me a bit of time to sort of realize what it is that they're now doing with the show instead of what i thought they were going to do but i'm so glad that this is the route that they've ended up going down because i think it's like in terms of character storytelling i think it's some of the best character work we've had in star wars in a long long time so yeah, pick up, pick up the team. Yeah, I 100% agree with um, the thing you said there. Like some of the, my favourite scenes over the last two episodes have been, um, and yeah, some of the things where I think the best storytelling has been the um, the flashbacks like with the Tuscans and how like, Boba Fett's, how like, their culture and way of life is like affecting Boba Fett and how he's like seeing a different way of life and uh, you know a different point of view on the galaxy and on um, 
how people, you know, are, are treated across the galaxy and stuff. Um, <clears throat> I think my favorite shot out of the whole uh, this episode was like the literally like one of the final shots. Um, I, I think it actually is yeah the final scene before obviously it cuts the credits. You know when they're just after that scene you just mentioned of Bobber getting his gaffy stick, making his gaffy stick, and they're like around the fire doing that um like sort of um traditional like war dance sort of thing um with all their sticks. I thought that that shot was absolutely fantastic. Um, and you know it just shows so much as you say like storytelling, like culture, um, like emotion, uh, which I think is is fantastic. I mean, it really reminded me of just like obviously um Tamara Morrison is from. Um, from New Zealand, isn't he? Um, yeah, he's so, he's, in, he's indigenous to New Zealand, so he's probably like part of the Maori culture and everything like that. Yes, so that you know that, that scene at the end that like, really reminded me of. Um, you know, gave me the same sort of feeling. You know, you get like watching like the hacker before like a, a an All Blacks game, you know, stuff like that, like a proper um, cultural war dance sort of thing to to show you know the different side of these Tuscan Raiders as we've talked about in the last in the last episode. But of Boba Fett, you know, really giving these Tuscans a culture and something that we can, you know, you can learn more about if you're interested in, like, you know, viewing, like, you know, view them in such a different way. And I, I thought that final scene really captivated that for me. So, yeah, I think I do think sometimes, you know, you see some people on Twitter, and I think it's sometimes or Instagram or whatever. It just goes some of the scenes just go over their head because you know they've they they want like Star Wars directed by Michael Bay, where like, there's an explosion every two seconds or something like that. Um, so yeah, I, I really yeah. enjoyed the episode. <laughs> no, I completely agree with you. I thought that final shot was like that was so stunning. It was actually like really emotional, like particularly on like the second, third time that I watched it. It's like just seeing him just completely become a part of this this tribe, essentially, um, and sort of taking part in the tribal dance. But it was like it was just it was them accepting him. It wasn't the other way around. Like he, it wasn't like you know, Bob has decided, oh, I'm going to accept them. It was the other way around. It was like, no, it's their tribe and they're accepting him into it because he's he's the um, outsider. <clears throat> and obviously in Star Wars, we used to sing the Tuscans treated like the outsiders. But in this story, Bobber is the outsider. They are the, you know, the indigenous species of Tatooine. You know, they lay ancestral claim to the Dune Sea. You know, it's their territory and he has come to them. And this is the point where they, finally like welcome him in and i thought yeah that scene at the end of dance but those three scenes going from them putting his sort of the black cloak the black tuscan garbs onto him and like with the music and everything to him building his gaffy stick to that final scene i was like geez <clears throat> like the guy working on the score like the combination of the the guy scoring who we talked about last week and ludwig Goranson's clear sort of t- hand in all the work with the music to like the cinematography to just just the writing and everything I was so so impressed by it and I think just on, on reflection the fact that they told the, the story that they're telling at the moment the fact that it's Boba Fett like this character who's just been known for like 40 years for being you know ruthless badass you know rarely showing any emotion obviously until we saw him in the Clone Wars but he's essentially a faceless figure until we saw him in the Clone Wars. And the fact that they've just completely broke down that sort of, I guess it has become a bit of like a toxic masculine trope of just like strength is like not saying anything. Strength is like not being emotional and that completely broken that down to give us this, this character in a completely like vulnerable setting, but him still being triumphant, still being tough, still being a leader, but also, you know, being accepted into this group of people who sort of actually have a very similar life outlook to him and even more so are like continuing to improve his outlook on the world. And he's, you know, learning about respect and learning about helping people and learning about what it means to be part of a, be part of a family. Because I think there was that, you know, obviously the, I don't even know how to describe it, the weird lizard trip that he went on when he got the, the sort of spirit journey that he went on, which I thought was, you know, again, really stunning and all of that sort of representing him, you know, breaking free from like sort of the shadow of his father and his past life and all that stuff, breaking free of it and finding 
this like new family in this tribe, I think is just like really, really classic Star Wars storytelling, but done so uniquely and so differently. And um, just to see on Twitter as well, so many people who are like Native American or indigenous uh, is i think indigenous is the correct term i apologize if i'm getting this incorrect um but people who identify with the tuscans in this episode so much and see themselves being represented in that way i just thought it's like i saw a lot of people talking about it on twitter and saying how emotional it made them feel and i was just it's so nice to see just a completely different cultural cultural aspect of our world being told in star wars but being told in a way which is very different to the way that mainstream media has been doing for years, which is always like, you know, um, the white guy wanders into the woods and these people are the savages that they have to fight. And, you know, it's a, a trope that's been used for years and years and it's, you know, gotten to the point now, I think people clocked onto the fact of how disrespectful it is. And I think it's good that Star Wars is kind of, ironically, the fact that Star Wars is the, the brand leading the way and actually telling these stories um, about sort of these cultures so beautifully and so poetically. And I think the fact that Tamara Morrison is a part of this, um, and I, I reckon his his hand and his influence is probably all over the storytelling as well. You could particularly feel it in the scene you were talking about, John, that tribal dance does feel a bit like a hacker, something like that. So yeah, just really impressed with the direction that shows go in. And just, I thought this whole flashback, you know, after watching it three times, I'm just like, yeah, this is some of the most beautiful Story. I mean, it's quite similar to Dances with Wolves, which is a very um, well-known film. But I think it, the way they do it is just, yeah, it's beautiful, beautiful stuff. I could go on and on and on, but I won't. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that point as well about um, Tamara Morrison's hand being like, all over it. Because I remember watching back the, um, what's it called, the, the Mandalorian Gallery, like when it got to his episode um, in in season two, um, when they were talking about, or just an interview, I think maybe talking about him. Um, and he was saying like, you know, during his fight scenes and stuff, he, he wanted to put in a bit of like, you know, the, the fighting forms and techniques of like his culture and stuff. Um, just in those couple of few fight scenes, he had like his gaffy stick and thing, you know, and his facial expressions are obviously very, um, very indicative of like, um, like the war dances you see on like the hacker and stuff, you know, that if you watch it closely, you know, it's not just about them, with their movements and their, and, uh, their arms and legs. It's also about, you know, the, their facial expressions and stuff like that. So um, I'll be very interested to see, you know, I'm hoping they do obviously like a gallery version of the book of Boba Fett as well. And I'd be very interested, or just an interview with Tamara Morrison. And I'd be very interested to, just to know how much influence he has had on like those certain particular scenes. Cause I'm sure he's had quite a lot. Cause I, you know, I can imagine John Favreau has probably written like a skeleton of maybe some of those scenes, but then he's come to, you'd hope he'd, uh, I assume he'd come to like um, Tamara and be like, how can we make this be as um, realistic or, you know, as, um, uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but as, as realistic as possible. Um, yeah, and respectful as possible as respectful, well. Respectful, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, so something that will mirror things from like your culture and like, I'm sure maybe they'll bring in some other stuff and other things to, to make it, um, to make it respectful and like um, realistic and things. So, yeah, I'll be very interested to see how how he's taken it, you know, Tamara Morrison and how um, his influence on that because, you know, in every I've seen, you know, I've seen a few people on you know online and stuff talking about how how um, obviously Boba Fett was a character but we never saw his face and stuff. But in these in these two episodes, obviously we see him. Obviously, in the past um, flashbacks, it's, it's it's always he hasn't got his helmet; he's lost it, so he's always just bare faced, um, and obviously. Some people don't like that, but I think it works really well in the past when he's with the Tuscans and stuff. Seeing like Tamara Martin's like facial expressions when he's fighting or just like in general, I think adds so much to the character that we previously didn't have before. And I think in then it makes the scenes like in the present when he does have his helmet on, you can kind of you can sit back and kind of work out what he's saying from like his body language and stuff, because we've seen it in the past. That makes sense. So it's not just like a faceless figure anymore. Mm-hmm. It's a character that even though he's masked up, you still feel like you have like a connection to because we've had these like I don't know runtime of like forty five minutes in total seeing him yeah. with the Tuscans like fighting and stuff. You know his facial expressions when he's fighting and some of the <laughs> best things in the oh, episodes. So good. Yeah. The, the absolute like savagery on his face and he's like <sighs> beating down um 
you know, the, there's a the Nikto gang, the biker he, gang. Yeah, <laughs> when he pulled the gaffy stick out on him after using the rifle, and there was like three of them, and he was just looking at them. His facial expressions were <laughs> unbelievable. He's so good at it. <laughs> yeah, it adds so much to the character. I think. Yeah, you know, we could have missed that one. Yeah, definitely, and I think. Um, the way that they've handled Boba Fett's character in the flashbacks, particularly in this series, is probably my favourite aspect of the series so far. I mean, I am very interested in all sort of the crime and the underworld stuff that they're getting into into the modern day. But, you know, the way that they're addressing Boba Fett's character, tying it into Tuscan culture, which is something that I'm just completely fascinated by. And, you know, before this series started, I know that me and John had talked about it quite a lot on Armando uh, rewatches and we're saying that we hoped that it would be something that they explored so I think past us would be glad to know that they have and they've done way exceeded my expectations but um, I just thought that you know last week was a very um, like a very physical the flashback scene was a very like physical rebirth you know coming out the Sarlacc pit you know being left for dead you know being beaten bruised by the Tuscans and then proving himself to you know be accepted among them is at least uh, an outsider who, you know, they would not be used as a prisoner to then this episode being, I felt it was like much more of like a spiritual rebirth. Obviously the, the, um, the scene with the lizards being a very, very sort of spiritual scene, obviously in this dream. And I think I feel like it's, um, you know, very much him coming to terms with who he is as a person. And finally, I think finally breaking free of who Boba Fett is and, you know, stepping forward to craft a new version of himself, which I think is a, a really, really just, I think it's just such a more interesting direction to take the character than to say, let's just keep Boba Fett the exact same as he's always been. Because I think anytime you do that with characters, um, it just tends to get a bit boring. I think, Characters will always have sort of one central thing about them that will never change. You know, Han Solo, for example, he's always just going to be sort of cocky, optimistic, and, uh, you know, thinks he can win anything. But the Han Solo we see in Force Awakens is not the same as the Han Solo we see in um, Return of the Jedi because of 30 years of life experience in between the two, but you can still tell it's Han Solo. And I think they're doing something nice with Boba where he still feels in the modern day like Boba Fett, but a very different Boba Fett. And um, I think the the flashbacks are doing such a good job of really reinventing this character, but giving an incredibly detailed (laughs) and incredibly philosophical explanation as to why he is such a completely different character. And they haven't just done what I was worried they were going to do, which is like, this is how we escaped the Sarlacc. This is how we got the robes. This is how we found out that Cobb Vamp had his armor. And this is how, you know, they, they could have easily done that and just done it in one episode, but they've decided to take their time and tell a real character driven story. Um, so I can't believe how much <laughs> I'm getting obsessed with Boba Fett as a character now <laughs> going from a character that I cared so little about a character that, you know, really really uh holds a holds a place in my heart is just yeah hats off <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm glad you're on the you're on the boba fett train now that's a good point. Yeah, i think train <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think i think as well i mean with modern day television like uh there's been numerous times over the last uh, five years maybe i'll say five six years where characters have gone through like some sort of character change or like character development and um there's been a lot of backlash for that because like it's not very well fleshed out or like it seems completely different to what we've seen previously i know you just made the point about like how han solo changed but like it was you could explain it and then at the core it was still the same character i mean we've had numerous ones over the past i mean like game of thrones just pops into the head of people like you know a changing character and people being like this isn't right like that makes no sense and Stuff like that. I mean, there's probably a few more I can think of. Maybe like an arrow. There's a few I can think of. Um, but I feel like you'd struggle to be able to say that about um, Boba Fett. I mean, there were only two episodes in, and I feel like um, anything else they add is just going to be absolute gold to what they've already already um, had in the show so far. There's no way you could sit there and be confused about how Boba Fett's ended up, how he is in the present day after watching the two episodes we've just seen with the with the flashbacks, I mean, 
I said at the beginning, like they don't have to go back to many more flashbacks now. I don't think. I think they've kind of summed up the f- philosophical changes that Boba Fett's gone through in these last two episodes. So I'd be hard pressed to find someone who doesn't quite understand where we're at with Boba Fett now. Um, I mean, I'd hope. I mean, I'm sure a quick Google search or Twitter search, yeah, a quick Twitter search, and I'll probably be. I strike gold of the people yeah, playing, gonna, but yeah, I was going to say you probably find it quite quickly, actually. <laughs> but you know, yeah. that's that's what Star Wars brings. People, you know, people have their opinions based on where they started with Star Wars, and some people don't like his current take on Boba Fett. But I think they are certainly in the minority. The vast majority of people that I've seen, even from people who um, have been very critical of a lot of Disney's recent stuff. Um, vast majority of people I've seen absolutely love this new direction that they're taking Boba Fett's character and I just think they're turning him from what could have been a very boring character to tell seven episode storyline about to a thoroughly interesting one and I think that's just that's how you make good television yeah exactly I mean we said it last week when we were talking about the first episode like you could have easily gone for a, a tv show of you know each episode was like Boba Fett in some gladiator ring like killing someone or many people and it would have been fun for about three episodes and would have got extremely boring but um you know we're only two episodes in and i feel like we're on an absolute um like win streak with the two episodes so far and i i i'm very confident about where the direction that the, sh- the show is heading in and i think you know by the time we get to episode seven this will probably be going down as like one of the best um star wars stories we've, we've seen i've i've, yeah, I've put all my chips on it now yeah. i'm confident with it so I think John Favreau, as a writer, has just gotten better with each sort of Mandalorian season, like Mando season one, season two, and then Book of Boba Fett. Like I love all three of those seasons. I mean, we did recent Mando season one rewatches recently, and we love that show. But I think his sort of maturity as a writer, in terms of his sort of emotional storytelling and like the way he's writing characters, it was always good. But I think he's gotten to a point where he's just he knows exactly what he's doing now with Book of Boba Fett and it, it shows and I think yeah and obviously I know that he's the credited script writer and people like Rodriguez and Filoni and probably Tamara Morrison as we were saying will be quite involved and you know various producers and other sort of um, hired script writers and stuff like that will be involved but I think Favre is obviously the main architect of the whole thing I think he's just telling such a it, I, feel, I feel bad saying that I'm just surprised at how intelligent this story is just because I never expected the book of Boba Fett show to be the one that was like, damn, this is such intelligent storytelling, but it just is. So uh, yeah, just big up John Favreau as always continues to prove that he is one of the, the greatest in Hollywood. Yeah. I mean, the way he manages to obviously, as we've just talked about for the last 20 minutes, right. A very compelling um, emotional story about, you know, a character that is loved by so many people. Um, but the way he also manages to do it while intertwining so many different, um, I don't know how to phrase it, but just like keeping it so intertwined in the Star Wars universe, you know, with like little references here and there and like characters coming in here, um, you know, bits yeah, and pieces yeah. that make it feel like, obviously it's a, a great story as we just mentioned, but then making it feel like it's a great, you know it's a great Star Wars story and not just like a separate story in its own universe or sort of thing. You know, he's he's putting in so many yeah. fantastic references for like casual fans um, and then people who are really, you know, like me and you and I'm sure a lot of listeners references here. As well. <laughs> yeah, who will recognise these obscure references. I mean, you picked up on, on one that um, one that I, I missed off about um, the... Tarshi Station. The, um, the Tarshi Station where that gang was hanging out. But I, I didn't even clock that at first. <laughs> I had yeah. to go and look it up after you mentioned it. So, you know, it's yeah. so good that he's he's adding these things in and making it flow seamlessly within the story for them fans to pick up on. Yeah, I think, obviously, I think Favreau is brilliant at that, but I think Filoni is definitely the guy when it comes to tying in these little references and stuff, because obviously John and Dave talk about how collaborative their process is. I think, obviously, John's great here, but I think Filoni's really like, why don't we make this bar that he fights in Toshi Station? Um you know, why don't we have Cammy and Fixer there, those two characters that were in a deleted scene from A New Hope, which hardly anyone in the world has seen, but for the few people who have will understand the reference instantly. And it's just such a Dave Filoni thing, I reckon. Yeah, I mean, 
when I actually looked it up after you mentioned it, I was like, God, I was like, Jesus, he's he's plucked that from nowhere. <laughs> like that is a niche reference that he's, he's added in here. I mean, it's just uh, the Toshi Station thing. So I think especially because of the, um, was it like last year? Well, obviously it's 2022. So I mean like, was it 2021 or 2020 where uh, Mark Hamill tweeted out that picture of him at the Toshi Station? Um, I feel like I must have been like early last year. I feel like it got a bit more hype and uh, I reckon that was the time when Dave um, or John was probably writing this early stages of the scripts and him and Dave were like, oh, should we add this in? Like, wow, it's popular. <laughs> yeah. And for anyone who has absolutely no idea what we're talking about, the the sort of little building that Boba Fett goes to when he, he hatches this plan to help the Tuscans by stopping the train, which I think is just beautiful in itself that Boba himself decides I'm going to help these people. Brilliant stuff. But the place he goes to, the sort of little bar is Toshi Station. Now Toshi Station is only ever mentioned in Star Wars by name only, which is when Luke Skywalker says his famously whingy line in A New Hope, I was going to go to Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. So this is origin, this is Toshi Station. This is where Luke wanted to go to pick up his power converters. But it is seen in a deleted scene from A New Hope, so it never made the final cut of the film. And Luke goes there and meets up with Biggs, the fellow rebel pilot that he flies with in A New Hope. And then two characters called Cammy and Fixer, who are Biggs and Luke's friends from Tatooine. And those are the two people that we see sat at the bar, the guy who sort of confronts the the Nikto gang and then gets beaten up. That's Cammy and Fixer, Luke Skywalker's old friends. So, you know, it's a, a really obscure little Easter egg. They could have had that fight in any bar or any little building and it would have sort of done the exact same thing. But it was just a fun little nod to the fans. Just And it just really deepens the the law of Tatooine really of just, you know, this is a place where people go and hang out and um, <laughs> occasionally it gets messed up by, by gang, by little uh, local gangs and takes a man like Boba Fett to come in and brutally beat them up with a gaffy stick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, rewatching it obviously this morning um, after finding out what that Easter egg was, I mean, it just made me think of like um, obviously Luke's pal, is it, is it Fixer? The guy that gets beaten up, um, yeah, it so. must be sitting, must be sitting there thinking like, you know, these guys are stealing my food in this bar. Like, I'm best mates of like Luke Skywalker, one of the most like famous Jedi's across the universe. You know, killed the Emperor, destroyed two Death Stars, and uh, this geezer stealing my dinner. He's like, I'm not having this. <laughs> well, it's really funny. In uh, they they used to call Luke Wormy. Like, that was their nickname for him. <laughs> So obviously he was their friend, but they called him Wormy. So I bet that they just like afterwards, after seeing everything Luke went on to do, they're like, damn, we were a bit harsh on him, weren't we? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can, I can imagine even on the the uh, the small desert planet of Tatooine, you know, in the middle of nowhere, that even they've heard of Luke Skywalker's escapades oh, across the galaxy. So, And uh, but, Luke, yeah. Luke used to have a crush on Cammy as well. That's canon as well. If uh, the woman in that scene, Luke used to have a crush on her. Because um, oh, wow. I think it's in the novelization of the Last Jedi. There's a scene which, uh, scene which didn't make it into the film, where Luke's just sort of like sat reflecting on his past, and he thinks about like what what would have happened if he had never left Tatooine. And he says, "Oh, hopefully, I would have just sort of, sort of settled down and got married to Cami." <laughs> so it's just a nice little obscure Easter egg there. <laughs> Oh, she's fumbled the bag there then. Fumbled the bag, exactly. Um, Poor girl. I think before we sort of jump to talking about the the modern day stuff, because we've dived a lot into uh, the Boba Fett stuff and the flashback, I do want to talk about the great train heist. This is another brilliant uh, Star Wars train heist after the solo one, but I I really, really enjoyed this one. Um, With the Pike Syndicate, which was obviously very exciting to see the Pikes. I mean, there's so much awesome action in it. I think the way it's shot looks really, really cool. I will, I'm, I'm sure when we get to characters, we will talk about the badass Tuscan woman <laughs> flying off of a speeder and beating everyone up. But I did just want to talk about the, the little scene after the train heist where like Boba is sort of like speaking to the, the pikes and there's the bit with the spice and everything. But the, the line when they say like, oh, we thought they were just uncivilized raiders. And then... Boba sort of defends the Tuscans and is like, you know, 
this is their ancestral home. They laid, laid claim to the Dune Sea. Um, you know, from now onwards, like you basically pass through here with the Toscans' permission. You must pay them a toll. Um, and I just thought that was such a brilliant scene. Just seeing Boba Fett really stand up for these sort of misunderstood characters, I thought was perfect. And then I think it connects really nicely to the way that we see Mando in season one, which is obviously about five years later, when he, in that episode that we very recently talked about, the gunslinger, when he says like, oh, we have to pay a toll to the Tuscans to cross the Dune Sea. And he gives them Toro Calican's binoculars. Um, I just, I don't know if that's an intentional reference of them thinking like it's become a thing now in canon where like people pay the Tuscans instead of fighting them. Um, or I don't know if that's just a coincidence, but it's just funny to see that um, Boba Fett's plan of having the Tuscans gain more respect and get paid for people crossing their land is still being still being continued by our other Mandalorian friend in in that show as well. Yeah, I, I did think that actually watching um <clears throat> on the rewatch today about uh, Mando paying them paying them at all. I mean, I don't think it's the same Tuscan clan because they've got different colours. Yeah, it's different robes. tribes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So um. Hopefully, this also means that Boba Fett's and you know he's he's risen his his tribe up to uh, pay for tolls, and then the other ones have, have caught on and be like, "Oh, hang on a minute, I think they're onto something." That's a good so, idea. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the other it's nice to see that hopefully the other Tuscans have caught on and are demanding a bit more respect. So yeah, I mean, Boba Fett is clearly the uh, clearly the uh, messiah for the uh, Tuscan Raiders. I mean, he's, he's rising them rising them from rags to riches at this point. Yeah, no, and I do just have to give a quick little mention to the uh, the Tuscan kid that we were so harsh on last week. I feel like he sort of redeemed himself this week. <laughs> yeah, shout out to him. He, yeah. he was the one that went running across the dunes with the little mirror, wasn't it? That was it. Yeah, exactly. He he did the beacons yeah. lit moment. <laughs> yeah. Gondor calls for aid. Gondor calls for aid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we were harsh on him last week, but I feel like he redeemed himself this week and Boba respects him, so I respect him. Yeah, I mean... Uh, again, fantastic writing from John Favreau to make us hate this character so much in the beginning to then now we're like, ah, oh, this man serves a purpose. So he's got my respect. Yeah, definitely. Um, is there anything else that you want to talk about? I mean, we could talk about the flashback for hours on end. Is there anything else you want to add before we talk about some of the, the modern day stuff before we move on to our characters? No, nah, let's move on to modern day because I think we could literally be here for hours on about yeah. the, the flashbacks. Yeah. Um, so yeah, modern day storyline which is obviously the shorter part of the episode but is where we opened um sort of quite simply put fennec picks off where she was last week she brings in the assassin they find out that the mayor sent him they confront the mayor the mayor says oh, it wasn't me it was someone else go speak to uh garseth whip and then they go speak to her and then some drums <laughs> some drums start and then we find out that the the huts who are two cousins of Jabba, have uh, laid claim to Tatooine. They, they want to come back and claim their cousin's land um, back from Boba Fett. And um, I guess introducing another faction of contention in the storyline here, whether these Hutt twins are going to essentially be the big bad of the series, not 100% sure yet, but they're certainly going to be a difficult pair for Boba Fett to deal with. I mean, I was just so excited to see Hutts appear. I always had a bit of a feeling that we might see a Hutt or two in this in this series, but the fact that in episode two, they gave us a pair of Hutts, they, I just thought they looked really good as well. Like I thought the CGI held up quite well. The fact that one of them was like cleaning his face with like a little rodent was just hilarious to me. Um, obviously them being carried on a litter, which is something they talked about a lot in the two episodes, and then like the music as well that like kicked in when the huts came around the corner was like so original trilogy, like Return of the Jedi style, like Tatooine music that we've heard before. Um, so yeah, I was so excited. Like my jaw dropped to the floor when I saw the two hearts appear. Um, and it definitely just sets up something really interesting for Boba Fett to deal with. So yeah, that modern day storyline, all the crime syndicate stuff is really starting to kick off now. Yeah, it is. I think I think yeah, the addition of these two hearts really is um <clears throat> ramping things up with the uh, crime syndicates uh or crime underworld on Tatooine. Um I think I think they they'll be in this show for a few episodes. Um 
as like the main antagonist um, that maybe send off like bounty hunters and stuff after Boba for a while. I think they'll be in the show for a, for a couple episodes just because yeah, the Hutt's obviously the most notorious crime family in in the Outer Rim, if not the whole galaxy. So uh, it'd be a shame to have them disappear after like next week or something if they uh, get killed off. But um, yeah, very excited to see to see them. I was, uh, I mean, everything you just said, I completely agree with as well. I mean, it's fantastic CGI and um, it's nice. It was uh, very exciting to see them. I'm just gonna gonna say that the um, them being carried on the litter really made me laugh. Um, obviously, as it was mentioned in the week before, and then some of the I don't know slaves or whoever is carrying them. Their their acting, I think, was fantastic as well. Like every now and again, you see them like straining and like having a little shuffle. Or, like some yeah. of them have got like an absolute well pissed off face, and it's just oh, I oh. thought that was very brilliant. Accurate, directing. Wasn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. So Steph Green's done a great job there. Obviously, being like on set, being like, all right, come on, guys, just like you look pissed off, you like look like you're going to fall over any second, um, sort of thing. You know, fantastic additions to the scenes. Um, Obviously, very intense scenes of the huts and Bobber, like you know, the interchanges between the two of them, like threatening to kill each other and all this sort of stuff. Of Bobber trying to be menacing and the huts trying to be like like Godfather mafia sort of intimidation. And he's got these the, the guys carrying them underneath are just there for comical effect if you notice them, and then if not, then you you still got a great scene. Yeah, it's like it's like when you're carrying a bag for ages and you have to swap hands. It, it felt like that of like all those guys being there, just like oh, for goodness sake, we've been doing this for hours, man. <laughs> but yeah, I agree. It's, I think Boba Fett scene. did a did a good job of <clears throat> really standing up for himself. He came across quite strong, confident, menacing. I think it was you know having his Gamorrean guards behind him and then you know cutting back to Fennec a couple of times of her sort of like readying her blaster rifle and that sort of thing. All all that worked. Um, really really well them sending their gladiator wookie out was another awesome moment that I'm, I'm saving for our character discussions for me to just spill all my excitement about that moment but any of you who you know reads star wars will know exactly what i'm talking about here but obviously that moment was really powerful as well i just think it added that extra i thought the mayor's an interesting character i like the fact that he's an authorian and they've got the translator and that sort of thing with it really cool voiced by robert rodriguez by the way which is another little cool easter egg um he's a cool character but i think there needed to be someone above the mayor to make this storyline more interesting i think we've been talking a lot about crimson dawn and that sort of thing which may or may not play into this whole thing but oh having some huts come on this is what we're talking about. This is this is the Tatooine mafia storyline that we've all been wanting. Some slugs involved, and oh yeah, I'm so here for it. Yeah, me too. I mean, I think I think the mayor was actually quite an interesting character as well. I think, um, obviously, being I still feel like he is definitely the one that sent those assassins. Um, personally, um, definitely in, in my book, sent those assassins. Oh I mean, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, the way he just kind of just plays against Boba when Boba obviously shows up and obviously by assassinating the the uh, assassin in front of him, um, and then you know giving him a bit of information and then basically giving him the um, the uh, little tidbit there that the huts are back by sending him up back to the to the bar he was at in episode one. I think he's he's going to be a really interesting character in, in future episodes. I think because he's he seems to be you know playing a very intricate game of chess with with Boba um and I think it's going to it's going to be very interesting in the future episodes to see just how he tries to play Boba for his own gains and I want to see if Boba catches on and ends up just killing him <laughs> yeah and I think it was really interesting that he was winding Boba up by just referring to him as a bounty hunter and like he gave him the bounty for killing the assassin and then he said something like can I give you a bit of advice running a family is harder than being a bounty hunter and I think Boba Fett obviously says the line of dialogue that we heard in the first trailer, you know, I'm not a bounty hunter trying to show that he's a completely different person, but all these people are just trying to push Boba back to being this character that he was in the past and the sort of disrespect, the shade, the, um, the, the mayor's throwing at him, I thought was brilliant. And I loved the line when like Boba turned around. I can't remember what the exact line is, but he, he turned around and he he called the mayor by his name it's like mock shayes is his name but just the way that tomorrow morrison delivered that line um is it something like i don't want to play your games mock shayes or I can't, I can't remember what the exact line is but just the way that tomorrow morrison delivered that of just being like 
I know what you're playing at and I'm not having it. I'm not having any of it. Um, just comparison to last week where we saw Bova struggling with dealing with obviously the assassins and sort of people, you know, chatting shit to him. Basically, I think in this episode, even though everyone's still going for him, I think he held his own quite well. And it's good. Some fist pumping moments to be like, yeah, Bob, you tell him. Yeah, I think Mary Morrison did an absolutely fantastic job delivering a few of the, well, obviously delivering all of his lines, but there was a few definite episodes that like stood out, especially when Bob was trying to seem a bit more intimidating and holding his own. Like, I yeah. think, yeah, that line, I think. Going back I to think now Hunter that, was a great one as well. <laughs> yeah. And then I think when he says, your sister, I think he was talking to the huts, and he's like, your sister's right. If you want this, you're going to have to kill me. And it's just oh, like, yes. Jesus. That was yeah. intense. Like, he's fully just. <laughs> taking that challenge head on and he's not scared at all I think it was yeah. perfect delivery for that line or um, one of my other favourite ones was when he talked to Garth Whip and he said you're sweating like a Gupta from Mustafar <laughs> I don't even know what yeah. that means I mean obviously we know what Mustafar is but no idea what that insult sort of means but uh, I just found that really funny as well Tomorrow Morrison just delivers some of those Bob Effect lights with such just prowess it's brilliant yeah I mean He's doing a fantastic job in the role, I think, so far. And um, I'm looking forward, as you said, I mean, like last week's episode, he was, you could tell he was like coming into his own a bit. And um, I mean, like Boba Fett, the character, not the, not, uh, the acting wise, but, you know, he was coming into his own a bit and he was like, you know, first footings down as like a crime lord. And I feel like in this episode, he's kind of, he's got a bit more confidence about him, a bit more behind him. And he's, uh, he's, he's very willing to just, you know, stand there and, and just observe that comp or like, you know, let that confidence out and um and just like, hold his own against wh- whoever's coming at him, whether yeah. it be like the mayor, the the huts, or whoever. And um, uh, it's very exciting to see. I think they did a good job as well of just doing that classic thing that any good Star Wars story does, which is balance. You know, all the sort of character and the serious stuff with some good comedy. Like there were some great Boba Fett lines, like when when the mayor said you sit on the throne of your former employer Boba Fett was like Bib Fortuna was not my employer just because we know how much Boba hates Bib Fortuna just that line made me crack up just Boba Fett being like how dare you say that he's not my employer <laughs> yeah, it was insulting the fact that he would he would be employed by such a lowly scum as Bib Fortuna and then obviously the line everyone's talking about is uh, back in the flashback when he's on the speeder, you know, the like a bentha. <laughs> he's like bobbing up and down. The smile, oh, it's so funny. <laughs> yeah, I like that scene. That that, that made me laugh. Like, yeah, I completely agree. I mean, it's always nice to to balance a bit of um, seriousness with, with, with humour where it makes sense. And I think whatever added it in, in these episodes is, is perfect timing. Um, mm doesn't have to be serious all the time. You know, you've got to, got to crack a joke here and there. Even someone as notorious as Boba Fett, I'm sure, has uh, cracked a joke every now and again. Yeah, I love that they're adding some comedy to Boba Fett's character. I mean, the the, the physical comedy of him, like, delivering the speeders, you know, my gift to you, and then we turn around and they're just, like, stripping the speeders for butts. Like, no, no, stop. These are mine. That's what's really funny um, and then Fennec as well like Fennec didn't have as much to do in this episode um, I hope we get the Fennec episode in a couple of weeks um, but I did like her little line um, when like they found out the name of the assassins it was like the order of the, the windfall of the night the night of the wind or something like that and she says oh, overrated you pay that you pay for the name or something like that which I just thought was a good little Fennec Chan line she continues just to be a badass just with her presence of being sat next to Boba and then you know tricking tricking the assassin with a rancor and being like it's empty <laughs> assassin of the night <laughs> or whatever it was she said I just thought yeah more more Fennec Shan goodness hopefully more to come yeah hopefully she's she is a great character um, and I'm very excited to see more of her from from future in future episodes but I think you know I mean, she did she did what she needed to this episode with a bit of you know comedic yeah. comedic um, bits and looking menacing behind, um, sitting next to or behind Boba. So that'll, that'll do for this episode. Yeah. Um, should we start talking about our standout characters? Um, yeah. Uh, you, you go first with yours, because I think we've probably talked about yours quite a lot already. <laughs> yeah, we have. I mean, my one's a bit a bit of a cheat, I suppose. But um, my, my standout character is like Boba Fett, but within the flashbacks, I mean, we, we've, we've spoken about the, the flashbacks of Boba Fett literally for probably about half this uh half this episode so i won't go into too much detail but i just think it uh, as i've mentioned it was very 
<clears throat> it's a very nice aspect of Boba Fett. We get to see, you know, him um, coming into his own within this different culture, within the culture of the Tusken Raiders, um, you know, seeing him being vulnerable, as you mentioned earlier, but still succeeding, I think is is fantastic. And it, I think this episode, he the flashbacks, Boba really just stole the show with everything that he was doing, you know, with the the dialogue, with the action, um, you know, with the comedic stuff, as we just mentioned. Um, yeah, I think they're doing a really good job of explaining how we've how we're getting to the Boba Fett in the present ten, in the present timeline through the flashbacks. I think it's it's working perfectly. So yeah, that was my standout character. I won't give too much. I won't say too much else because I feel like we've uh, saturated that that character's <laughs> conversation. But yeah, very very good writing from uh, John Favreau. Yeah, I completely agree. And the only thing I'll add is, I think it was interesting. There were some criticisms last week of Boba not being like tough enough or not being as strong as he was in the past. I feel like this episode completely puts all that to rest because after beating the Matt Champ last week, he's now come along. He's just beaten up a bar full of Nick Toes. He's helped Rob Rob train. He doesn't mess about. So uh, he's definitely reclaimed his strength, which I think is obviously the whole point of the storyline for people who hadn't realised. <laughs> but yeah, definitely agree. <laughs> he, uh, he was great in this episode. Yeah, he was. And uh, I suppose that moves us on to, to yours then. I'm, I'm sure you're very yeah. excited to talk about this character. Yeah, so my, my standout character um, was the Tuscan warrior. That's that's all the, the, the character is just credited as the Tuscan warrior. Um, however, the, the performer who plays the Tuscan warrior, let me just make sure I get her name right, is um, Joanna Bennett who I've done a little bit of Googling. She also happened to be uh, Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman's stunt double and Brie Larson's Captain Marvel stunt double in the past. So she's a stunt performer and an actress. She plays the Tusken Warrior, which leads us to assume that the Tusken Warrior is female. And I just thought this character, I really liked the character in the first episode just from her presence, but in this episode really, really stood out for me um, from you know, the way that she was teaching Boba how to use the gaffy stick. I thought that, you know, this episode had a nice sort of cultural exchange where she was teaching Boba how to fight like a Tuscan and he was bringing them some of, you know, his world's machinery and teaching them how to use it. So that element of cultural exchange was really nice in this episode. But, you know, her teaching Boba and the way that she was quite brutal with it, just beating him up and eventually he proved that he could use the gaffy stick you know, almost beat her, couldn't, still couldn't beat her, but almost beat her. Um, and, you know, by the end of the episode, she has full respect of Boba to invite him into this sort of tribal dance at the end that we were talking about. So that aspect of her character was really, really cool. But I think the main thing, which I was just blown away by, is was the, the train heist sequence. Like, obviously, everything was going fairly well. Like, a couple of Tuscans had been killed by the Pikes, sadly, but, like, the, the Tuscan snipers were taking out most of the Pikes. It was going pretty well. And then they found themselves in this sticky situation where they were sort of stuck on the top of the train with these Pikes shooting them. And just that shot of the Tuscan warrior sort of on, on a speeder bike, clocking onto what happened, zooms in, flips off the speeder bike, lets it blow up on the train, and then just in like proper John Wick style, just like goes through the train, just beating everyone up. They're getting pulled out of the windows and chucked onto the sand. Oh, I just thought it was such a such a cool bit of action. What a what a real, real badass character to introduce, just seeing a, a Tuscan who is just you know, hitman levels of badass at fighting. I thought she was a really, really cool character and like a a good character to stand side by side with Boba and not be overshadowed at all. And uh, I think that's really impressive. So the the way that the performer moves, I think is really impressive. So hats off to the performer as well. She's done a great job and great character that I really, really hope we see more of in the future. I think it's difficult because Tuscan language, you know, isn't, basic is in English in terms of, you know, storytelling. But I do think if they could find some way to do a comic book about some the, some of the Tuscans or a book or a spin-off animated show or something more about the Tuscans, I think she is definitely a character that I'd like to see return in some capacity because she a badass. Yeah, she is. I mean that that scene in the in the train heist with uh where she does she crashes a, a speeder bike and then yeah goes to the train was oh, unbelievable stuff. Um 
I think my favourite moment of hers is when she's scrapping Boba, like giving him a bit of training, and he disarms her with a gaffy stick, and she does like a forward roll, and then like recatches it like mid air, and then like floors Boba. I was like, Christ alive! I did not expect that. When yeah. she wins the forward roll, I was like, All right, she's just like regaining some space. Maybe she's going to come back at him, and then comes out the roll, catches the stick, and floors him. I was like, God. Blimey, that was impressive. Yeah. Uh, oh, so cool. Yeah, such, cool such a cool character. And I just think, like, it was so poetic that when Boba made his gaffer stick, like, gaffy stick, sorry, he, like, looked to her almost like, asking permission of being like, can I, am I ready to use this? And I just thought that was such a such a cool moment at the end there that just brought that whole training montage part of the storyline full circle. So, yeah, big up that character. Yeah, she's a very cool character. And I completely agree. I hope to see her in, uh, in future stuff. Right, should we jump onto our favourite little segment, our favourite background characters? Yeah, I do like this section. Yeah, do you, you, you can go first, John, because I'm sure that I'm going to talk for like 10 hours about mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool, I'll go for mine. Mine is um, a character that we saw for, I don't know, like 20 seconds if that, but I think he has some absolutely fantastic dialogue lines, and that was uh, the City Hall clerk, um, so basically the, the receptionist for the mayor. I think, you know, when Boba strolls in, you know, looking all menacing, arms, you got two Gamoran guards behind him, Fennec Shand, and, the, and an assassin tied to a rope. I think this, uh, this city hall clerk did a fantastic job of just stalling them completely and just looking like completely blasé as to what was going on. Um, I think, you know, when Boba Fett arrives, he's like, oh, I'm Boba Fett, you know, here to see the mayor. And the, the clerk's just like, ah, oh, Boba Fett, he's ah. Oh, nah, you're not on the list, mate. And, you know, sort of thing. It's like Jesus Christ, you got the most one of the most notorious bounty hunters in the galaxy standing right in front of you, and you have the audacity to be like, oh, sorry, you know, I can't see you on this list." And like, oh, what an absolutely fantastic fellow! The balls on this man is uh, is absolutely fantastic. So yeah, he's a uh, one my standout character award there for just being completely blasé as to who is standing in front of him and just could not care less. Yes, I thought that was some. Some really good John Favreau comedy in there uh, for that. I think he um, sort of reminded me a little bit of um, oh, what was her name, Pelly, the character from Mandalorian, who sort of had that same sort of attitude of like a character that you would easily see somewhere in the real world. You know, like a, obviously this guy being like a desk clerk and her being like a sort of confused mechanic, <clears throat> but then putting them in a Star Wars world where they're trying to talk to this like scary warrior in a helmet and i just think the comedy that they created out of that in both those circumstances worked really really well and yeah this 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 little scene made me laugh and it was this little look on his face where like the major domo came in and like shuffled him out of the way and he was like oh okay <laughs> yeah yeah it was a great bit of a uh, great bit of comedy there from from Favreau to add this into the scene i uh, completely agree someone he had a definitely... great mustache as well he did he, yeah he did actually have a fantastic mustache so he's got extra bonus points for, for that Should I I finally talk about my favourite background character? Yeah, go for it. So I I was incredibly excited um, to see the big, scary, black-furred Wookiee appear in this episode. And um, I say background character. I imagine this character will not be a background character in further episodes. But for this episode, he really was there just to stand and look scary. So... I'm treating treating him as a background character for this episode, but I am of course talking about the mighty Wookiee Black Chrysanthemum. Now, for anyone who doesn't know who Black Chrysanthemum is, he is a gladiator, bounty hunter, ruthless, terrifying Wookiee who was introduced in the comics, the Marvel run of canon Star Wars comics that started in 2015. He was in the Darth Vader comic. He was in the main Star Wars comic. And then it was in Dr. Aphra comic. Um, He's essentially started off his life on Kashyyyk, was um, kicked off Kashyyyk because he was too brutal and ruthless and the Wookiees had had enough of him. He ended up being a gladiator for a certain amount of years, just murdering people. He was sort of a bit physically augmented. Like I think they put metal around like his um the bones in his fists, so his hands and his claws are extra strong. Um, and then he became a bounty hunter for Jabba the Hutt for many years. And then after being a bounty hunter for a while, he went and befriended Dr. Afra, who's another brilliant canon 
comic character, which I hope we see. But I mean, anything's possible now. This is ex- particularly exciting for me because I think this is like the first appearance of like a, a character who was originally made for a comic in live action. Um, so that's obviously a, a massive deal that we're, you know, John Favreau and Dave Filoni and team care so much care enough about the canon comics to, to say, yeah, we'll take a character from the comics and bring them into live action. I think for people like me who read all the comics and try to keep up with all the books, um, it's really like fulfilling for like to see comic book characters come to life on the, on, on the, on the big screen for star Wars, because, you know, you just sort of expect that these comics, whilst they can, and they're sort of a bit adjacent to the main storyline and these, these characters that you learn to love in these stories are never really going to make it to the big screen. But in this case with Black Crescent and it has, he does know Boba Fett. They did a job together for Darth Vader back in the day. Um, so the very obvious look that the two of them gave each other and the fact that Boba Fett referred to him as a gladiator shows that the show is acknowledging the fact that they know each other. So I think that when the two of them get round to fighting, oh boy, it's going to go off because Black Chrysanthemum is a pretty terrifying beast and um, him and Boba Fett are going to have some fight on their hands if they do come to blows, which I'm sure they will. Um, so yeah, I'm, I was just so excited for such a deep Easter egg, for such a deep cameo to bring a comic book character to life on the on the on the small screen and live action Star Wars. Um, so yeah, I was yeah very very excited, and they just did such a good job of like translating the look. Looks perfect, like from the armor and everything is ripped straight from the comics, even like the the scar on his face and everything. So yeah. Black Chrysanthemum is my favourite background character who I don't think will be a background character for very long. No, yeah, as an excellent choice. I completely agree. I, I doubt he'll be a background character for for, uh, for much longer. Um, I mean, I when did the show come out? Wednesday. Oh, obviously, I had to watch it like, literally after I came in from the cinema Wednesday, which was like 11. So I watched a show about 11pm um, that night and I accidentally at work looked at our Instagram story on my personal Instagram one where you'd put um, something about, oh, you'd redacted the name, but you'd put like, um, this is the first time I've seen like a comic book character in live action. And I was like, oh, I wonder who this could be. And like, so I was watching Wookiee walked on screen. I was like, ah, there we go. That's that's who Dan's talking about here. <laughs> I, you know, it's, it's a very iconic character that you, <clears throat> that obviously as, as a fan of the comics as well is obviously it's very exciting to see in live action. Um, you know, he's been in some very interesting comic book stories across the Star Wars universe. You know, obviously the, I think it might've been this first introduction is when he gets that bounty from Darth Vader with Boba Fett. I think I uh, could be wrong. And obviously, um, you know, he, he teams up with Dr. Afrin and a lot of stuff. Um, you know, it's quite like Chewbacca at one point. Yeah. Fast Chewbacca is quite prevalent in like the main Star Wars storyline for a while when um, Vader's trying to hunt down Luke and things. Uh, there's a storyline, I think, I haven't read it, but he goes up toe toe against Obi-Wan on Tatooine, I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, he kidnaps where he gets his scar Yeah. Yeah, and, so uh, obviously, you know, Obi-Wan have a fight. <laughs> yeah, so this is a character that in the comics has had, you know, a lot of great hit moments. Um, so it's very exciting that we get to see him in live action now. So, yeah. Excellent stuff from uh, John Favreau and Dave Filoni bringing them on, bringing them on board. Yeah, I love it. I was so excited. It was just one of those moments that I never thought I'd actually see in live action Star Wars. So my little sort of canon comic, keeping up with constantly brain, was very much fulfilled by that appearance. So um, yeah, thanks to the team for delivering. My hope is that we get Doctor Aphra next because she's such a good character who I think would lend herself perfectly to live action. So. His hoping, um, right? I think that's about that's about everything, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's probably a lot more we could talk about for this episode, but you know, we tried to keep these episodes to around about an hour, so they're nice to listen to, and we don't ramble on for for too long. Um, but I mean, as you as you can probably tell, overall thoughts is we both really really enjoyed this episode. Um, it was another Max Rebo appearance. Have to have to pop. <laughs> have to let, say thank you again for more Max Rebo. Um, yeah, yeah over, overall, I thought this was a beautiful, beautiful episode of TV. Um, some great action, some 
good little comedy, but some really brilliant um, character development for Boba Fett, some great world building in regard to the Tuscans and this newfound respect that I think the whole world now has for the Tuscans as characters, um, I think is very well earned. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited for next week. I think we're going to get lots of more hut black chrysanthemum action next week. So I'm very, very excited for it. And it's just making me think who else might be involved if the huts are now involved, who else might the huts be hiring to deal with Boba Fett? Bosk, Bosk, Bosk. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. Great episode. And I'm, I'm very much looking forward to, to next week's one. I'm, I'm assuming that they'll focus a lot more on the present day next episode. So yeah, hopefully a lot more action with um, the huts, Black Santa and um, uh, I'm assuming more bounty hunters because uh, I'm sure the huts wouldn't wouldn't necessarily just just hire the one. Uh, they're they're a bit more savvy than that, and uh, oh, probably yeah. they're going to need a small army, army, army behind them. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm excited to see who who might get introduced to next week. Yeah, definitely. Um, in terms of when our next episode will come out, it will. Pr- I think it will probably be the Monday after, um, just because. As, as I said, you know, at the beginning, I'm away with work until next Saturday. So um, finding time to record will probably be like next end of next weekend or the beginning of the following week. So might be, it'll still be out before the following episode's out. So you'll still get your Boba Fett recap, but you just have to be patient with us because we're busy lads, aren't we, John? Yeah, we're all on that grind, you know, got to make that bread. Got to make that bread. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for listening. Um, if you enjoyed the episode, make sure to, um, like, subscribe, follow our podcast so you don't miss an episode. And you, if you could leave a review or a rating on, um, if you listen to it on Apple, leave a review. If you listen on Spotify, leave a rating. It really helps and it would be appreciated. Um, if you want to follow us more on social media, we're at Live from Vader's Castle on Instagram, Vader's Castle Pod on Twitter, Live from Vader's Castle on YouTube twitch tiktok we're all over the place so if you want more from us that's where you can find us and yeah that's everything from me so i shall speak to everyone next week yeah we'll see you guys next week thank you very much for listening goodbye